Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, today is one of my favorite days because I'm going to introduce you to two of my very best lifelong friends, my sisters. And we still are just the dearest of friends. We have been through a lot, as you can imagine, as all families have been through a lot. But specifically today, we're going to be talking about a moment, really a season of life, that changed our lives forever. My sister had some news one day that caused her to lose her marriage, her community, her world. Everything fell in on this day, and it was a shock. And I can't tell you the details of that. They're private. And yet, here we are, still standing, and my sister is amazing. She loves Jesus more than she ever has through it. And and so I just wanted to set the stage for this, that we can't talk about the details. I know a lot of you understand that type of situation, but I do want to paint the gravity of it before we have this conversation because we're talking about sadness this week. And I just know so many of you listening right now are walking through a season of despair, of just incredible, unthinkable difficulty. And, and this episode is for you. My sisters are here yay! in the studio. <laughs> Welcome, guys. We're so glad you're here. So introduce yourselves. Let's start there. Okay. Um, hey, I'm Katie Reese, and I'm Jenny's youngest sister. And I am in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have three kiddos, a 10-year-old, 8-year-old little girl, and six-month-old little girl. And I'm an interior designer, have my own company. And yeah, this is super fun to be here with um, my two sisters because we all live far away from each other. So this is so fun. It's so true. And I'm the sister that lives the farthest. Yes. It hurts our hearts. It hurts my heart all the time. My name is Brooke, middle sister, five kids, live on a ranch in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, homeschool those five kids and miss my sisters all the time. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about our relationship for a minute. So yeah, we are best friends and it's so fun. Has it always been this fun? (laughs) <laughs> I think there were some locks on the closets installed. I think there were <laughs> maybe some scratching and screaming at times. I will never forget. This is my, one of my favorite Brooke stories. <laughs> She's the middle one, the rebel. Well, y'all both had your seasons of rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> but I will never forget when Brooke was probably three or four years old and she came in and said, what the H are you doing? And she was like three or four. And I'm, you know, three or four years older than that. And I'm thinking, and I'm this firstborn righteous one. I'm like, how could you ever cuss? I remember like holding it inside from mom and dad. Like, I don't need to tell him, but. Can I, you say the word now, Jenny? I can, but I don't want to make this a, you know, my rating might change on my podcast. Like explicit lyrics. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad we have found freedom in that area of yeah. our lives. <laughs> You big cusser now, Brooke. <laughs> Profanity is my love language. <laughs> I have these rebel sisters. Watch out. All right. So Katie, <laughs> mom's like, stop. She's back here. Y'all, my, our mom is here. And she's like, she really did teach us that even like the like C-R-A-P was a oh, yeah. bad cuss word. And that B- is, A-N-B-U-T-T. that's the mom we have. And B-U-T-T. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We never said those words. That was really bad. That's why. <laughs> This is so far from the truth that we, we ever are big cussers. <laughs> All right. So, Katie, let's go back to this 
difficult season in your life because obviously it impacted you beyond words. And so let's talk about the day that you found this news out, even though we can't share what that is. Talk about the implications of that and what happened in your mind and in your heart that day. Yeah, I think you hear about situations. I had heard about situations with other people that there was that one moment that just completely changed the trajectory of their life. And I think we were thankfully all together, which again, we could talk for hours about just the provision that God had in every moment of this season and still to this day to in my season now. But thankfully I was with my two sisters. And so just even that alone was because we're, we do live so far apart. And so the fact that the Lord brought the timing in that moment of us three being able to be in the same place at the same time is completely of him. I truly believe. And so I just remember a big, huge fog come over me. And, you know, when you get news that's not so good, it's question after question after question just starts rolling through your brain. And I would say for a long time, there would be moments where I literally would have to like remind myself to breathe, like take deep breaths and like remind myself just to even like breathe normally because the questions were just so, there was just so many to count. And yeah, in that moment, I knew that my community would look different from then on. We had just moved and to my dream house that I'd renovated and put my whole life into. I knew, you know, there was a chance we were probably going to have to move. I knew job changes. I knew possibly a marriage ending and a family breaking up. And I was so brokenhearted for my kids and what they didn't know at the time and what it was going to mean for them and just the heaviness of that. I was scared for the future. I I'd had never in a million years ever saw myself as a single mom or, you know, having to kind of weigh through life by myself. And so I think in the moment that it happened, I had two sisters that I was able to lean on in the flesh. And then also immediately I knew that God had been preparing me at the same time. And I think that I was just, I was ready to completely surrender and lean into him. I mean, when something bad happens, whether it be death or terrible tragedy in a marriage, which is what mine was, losing someone you love, you know, health problems, all of those things, you have a choice in that moment to either rely and know that God's promises are true and to truly lean into that or to question him. And in that moment, I chose to totally lean in and trust him because my whole life I'd been reading his promises. And it was like, it all comes down to this. Do we believe or not believe? And I think that through the tragedy and through the hardship, he was the only thing that I could lean on. I want to talk to Brooke for a minute because we experienced a different side of grief. We experienced the grief of watching somebody we love go through hell. And the two of us were together that night. Katie flew to deal with some things and we were together that night. And at that point in time, we were about the only two people that knew. And so the two of us laid in bed and we couldn't speak and we just wept all night. I don't know if you remember this. And we just, you know, I mean, it was really one of those situations where the grief is so thick that you can't form words. You it's, just... It's, it was an anxiety attack. Yeah. I and mean, it was truly a picture we were, of... Yeah. Yeah. The two of us together in the dark. Excruciating grief. That yeah. type. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... I just, I want to speak to that too, because I think there's something very real about watching people you love go through tragedy. 
that I think we don't often give words to, but the people holding the people up going through tragedy are also in a grief. And I think you don't want to ever take away from the person going through it. But I also think that a lot of you out there are holding people together that you love. And there's a real cost to that and a real weight to that. And immediately we felt it. I mean, we were just both, you know, floored. I remember that night we kept trying to like pray or something and we couldn't even find words. And all we could do was just that kind of deep crying where you just are you know, it's visceral. And I remember the only words I could think of that night were, give us this day your daily bread. I couldn't even remember the Lord's Prayer. All I could remember was like that phrase because it felt like, how are we going to ever sleep again? How are we ever going to, you know, and for for our sister that we loved so much, especially you guys, she's our baby sister. And so I think both Brooke and I at that point in our lives looked at Katie and thought, we're stronger. We could, we could handle something like this. Like Katie, you know, our baby sister. And we were wrong because that girl was stronger than the two of us together. I mean, you the way you walked through that and continue to is just unbelievable. But Brooke, I want to talk about your just your feeling through that and what you observed of Katie and that season. I think I had been my husband and I run this hospitality business and this hospitality business had turned into a place where for many years there was a lot of discouragement that I experienced personally, some expectations that weren't met as a young mom and some loneliness that I was not expecting to experience in that stage of life. I think what I saw in our little sister was a picture of what the brokenness of this world actually looks like and how devastating it can be. I always told people, yes, it's not me going through it, but it felt like my right arm was in the fire. It felt like a limb of my body was actually experiencing her story. Um, And some of you have grief where it is not necessarily your story, but it might as well feel, you know, like you're that much a part of it. What I saw our little sister do was choose hope on a very daily, I mean, not even, and when you're in the middle of it, it's more minute by minute. Yeah, It's not even a day at a time. It's minute by minute, choose hope and choose light and life on a moment by moment basis. I think what I experienced, because I was with her about the first month consistently, was a just understanding that role of what restoration actually looks like, which is where, where the hospitality piece ties in. Because now I, with hospitality, I have a huge, because the Lord gave us this business to run, I think I have a huge calling of restoration. And I, it actually came from that time of watching my, watching our sister and being there with our sister and watching a person who is experiencing the brokenness of this world in an excruciating way and knowing that we get to be a, we get to be a part of that restoration process. And it was, it was awful, but it was also such an honor and a privilege. Yeah. And why I wanted to do this conversation with you guys this week is because this is a lot of people's story where the bottom falls out for whatever reason in a different way for different people. And what happens in those first few days, weeks, months matters. And I want to talk at this from two sides. I want to talk about it, Katie, from your choices and the way you walk through it. And I'm not saying it was pretty, you guys. It was excruciating. And watching us, I don't know that anybody would go, oh my gosh, there's so much faith over this family because we had lots of questions and anger. And you know, it's not like this was a pretty, and we were all sitting around together talking about how good God was. There was a lot of hurt and a lot of crying and a lot of, you know, wanting to beat (laughs) the wall about what was going on. 
But I, I think the banner over you, Katie, was the rest and peace of God. And I want to talk about the choices that you made early on because they were deliberate and they were intentional, and I don't know how you did it. I want to start with a story that happened in the first week or so. We drove up together to your house because she immediately, she and her kids moved in with my parents, and we drove up to get some of your things, and just the two of us, and we weren't speaking. We were just in the car, quiet, and and if you wanted to talk, you could have talked, but I didn't know what you needed. And so we literally just listened to music and drove. Might have even been in the quiet. And all I remember is you were looking out the window most of the trip. And then you turned around one time and you said, you know, I'm really blessed. This is like a week or so in. And I'm thinking, what? She goes, not many people get to lose absolutely everything at the same time and see that God's enough. And I will never forget it because it was a picture of of the way you saw your life, of just almost being carried. But talk about what those choices look like for you in the first few months. Mm-hmm. I think that, well, first of all, you just said carried. And that was the banner verse that I, I was on the plane coming back. Jenny Burke and I were in Florida when we got the news. And then I flew back to my house and I grabbed my bag. It was literally on the thing that, what is it called, that carries your bag off, whatever that thing is, like literally on there. And I was like, grab my bag. I need my Bible. And my Bible is in the front pocket. And let me also say this. I was actually at that point in my life, there was like a two-month period where I was very, I felt far from God. Actually, in that moment of hearing that news, I was not in the scriptures every day at that point. Now, I had been throughout my life and but there was this like small season that I was feeling hopeless in several things and, you know, earthly things and my job was hard and things like that. So grab my Bible and I'm on the plane. There was maybe three people on this flight. And the very first verse I opened to was in Isaiah. And it, it was literally like, you know, have you ever had those moments where you're just like open your Bible? And it's like bold print. And it says, I have made you and I will carry you, I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. And literally, like, Mm. one of the very first verses that, like, was in bold print. And it was the banner verse then. It's still my banner verse because it was like, okay, Lord, like, everything is in question now. Everything's gone as I know it on this earth or how I knew it. My kids are still healthy. Thank you. But everything as I knew it and the future that I saw for myself and the life that we had built and everything that had been going a certain direction, all of the sudden in, you know, one minute comes to a halt. And I just believed him. And I just had faith in his promises. And I think that when you do lose so much all at one time, it it does put you in a state of just truly longing for heaven. And like, I just remember like just longing for that heaven and for that complete restoration. You just long for it. And so I think that, no, I didn't know what the steps were going to look like for um, getting through this. I, as Brooke said, it was like literally minute by minute and every morning asking for my daily bread. And so deliberately chose to be in the scriptures I I mean, I didn't go into my car without my Bible. I didn't go to bed without it by my side. If a panic attack would come upon me, I would immediately get my Bible out. He would immediately, like, just give rest to my soul. The first few days and weeks, I definitely was in such thick confusion and grief that I would out loud sometimes yell, sometimes 
cry through it, repeat over and over and over again, God is good, God is good, God is good. And I'd be crying through it, but I kept saying it because I knew that he was good. I believed that. I didn't feel like what was happening to us was good at all, but I knew if I said it out loud enough times that I would truly, it would sink in, in those really dark moments. And I mean, his promise says, you are good. What you do is good. You are good, God. What you do is good. And I had to keep reminding myself that over and over and over again. He's a good God. As a human being in our flesh, we can quickly always go to the negative. And I would continually, every day in my journal, in my prayer journal, it would have every, at the end of every day, the praises of the day. And it's so cool to look back because you see in the trenches of like grief, there are still so many amazing promises and blessings that he is showing us every Mm -hmm. single day. And in fact, I still need to do that in our lives now. It's like, you know, looking back, it would be little things like, thank you for this conversation with this person that gave me hope. Or thank you for getting my kids through a day with laughter and joy and no tears. Thank you for this conversation that I got to have with Sawyer about you, Lord, that, you know, I mean, my kids' faith grew through this experience, and I have those to look as positive things that happen. So I would say really focusing on the things that were positive around me, and I mean, I have a list of things that I deliberately did, but definitely think it's important if you do have the resources for help, if you have kids, to pull away, especially in the really first few days of grief, of a tragedy or trauma, like being able to pull away from your to-dos because life goes on immediately and you have to do the normal tasks of the day. But pulling away for solitude time with God and like really resting in prayer and worship and um, just time in silence. And I told Jenny and Brooke this morning, I just found a spot that was comforting to me. It was a part, it was a trail Tell to them a, the name. Well, <laughs> Jenny was like, you can't say that. Oh, it was the that. big damn bridge in Little Rock. But it's actually D. But it, and Jenny was like, oh my gosh, you got to change the name of that. I was like, well, it's the, the dam on the dam. or the river. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so anyway, you go over this bridge and then there's this gorgeous forest of these really tall, is it cypress trees? I don't even know y'all. I'm sorry. I don't know. Really pretty. Okay. Just pretty. But <laughs> Finding a spot where you feel like you can pull away from the world and the to-dos where you are able to do the proper grieving, to cry out if you need to cry out, to be angry if you need to be angry. I think a lot of times people think that grieving just means sadness. It also brings anger possibly to God and questioning your faith or questioning, you know, his will in something. I mean, I did that. And being angry at those who've hurt you. I mean, there's righteous anger in that. And I think that having time to go through those feelings of emotions and being able to do it in a safe place. Yeah, and I want to I want to speak into this because a lot of people are listening that they know a dear friend or family member going through hell right now. And I would say to all of you, you get to provide that for them. I'm watching a dear friend of mine right now, Jen Barrett, stand beside one of her dearest friends that just lost her husband and she is helping provide that for a lot of people are yeah. providing that for her to be able to grieve. Yeah. And I think we've we've got to take that responsibility on and say, hey, we're going to participate in this grief process with you. Yeah. And if that means helping with kids, if that means, you know, bringing meals, whatever that means so that people have space and time and margin to grieve, to grieve. 
But I think that's what was great about another blessing was the timing that we were heading into the holidays. Mm -hmm. It was like late fall and we were together as a family, you know, more than normal Mm -hmm. over the next few months. And we were able to really be together, which I think so much of it was just in the being. Yeah. Just... That's what, know, it's like that whole drive. We didn't even yeah. speak. It was just, just having you there. Yeah. It's just that somebody's in it with you. You're not driving by yourself to go do horrible things. Like we're going to be in that with That's you. That's what Brooke and I were talking about this morning. Because I said in one of my things I wanted to relay was just that to find your people. Even if it's two or three people, someone that you can call and when you're having a panic attack or you're doubting or you can barely get out of bed. You're so sad. Having that person that you can call and say, I need you like right now. Brooke reminded me of this time when I was at the ranch I was there for a few weeks in the really thick of the grief and you know all I can say is every once in a while I would be so overcome with emotions that it would almost cause a panic attack where I felt like I couldn't breathe like just every question would get too too hard and all of it was just too too heavy and I would just feel like I was panicking and so all Brooke did would come into my bedroom and she would just lay there with me and like tickle my arm. I'm about to start crying thinking about it. She'd come in and she'd tickle my arm and then she'd just read scripture over me. And and it just like, it literally like immediately would cause me to breathe again. And in that moment, I was too overwhelmed to even sit up and read. Like, and so having those people. And for me, it was my sisters and I had a few friends that were that for me in Little Rock too. And the community is so important. I mean, I think it can help you thrive after after tragedy, or if you don't have it, it can swallow you whole. And I think that that's a huge need. Well, I would say too, and some of you are listening and you're like, I don't have those people. One, we did a whole season about it. Go back to season <laughs> one and listen to it. Because it is it is in the tragedy where you realize that. That's where the void is. And don't wait till you're in a tragedy. I remember when Sarah Henry went through, you know, her stroke. And I can't tell you how many people watched us rally around her because she was such a good friend and had so many good friends. Watched us do that. And they thought to themselves, I don't have good community. I'm going to go get it from watching that. And I think we've got to pursue that now, you know, in the midst of times where we can breathe and... But even in the midst of difficulty, those of you that are thinking, I don't have my people and I'm in the middle of it, reach out to people. I think we're all craving this. And, and honestly, we we got closer as a family than we've ever been through this. Like, don't doubt what God can do in the midst of well, difficulty. And don't, and don't doubt God's people because I, one of the other bullet points I was going to say is to ask for help. And even if you feel like you don't have that go-to person, like, have faith that the person that you're not even, you may not even feel that close to, ask that person for help. And I, I mean, people are good. I mean, there are good people everywhere we look and they will rise. And I think, you know, especially for me having two kids, young kids at the time, I mean, I had to consistently ask for help for a long time. I mean, even through, you know, the years to come being a single mom, feeling confident in myself enough and knowing that I would return the favor to these friends and to my family, being okay with asking for help because it can save your day. <laughs> Brooke, I want to ask you about what you would say to people that have someone they love going through tragedy. Like, what do you think it is to walk beside someone in difficulty? 
I want to add to, you said pursue those relationships before the tragedy comes. And I want to say to know your theology before the tragedy comes. Mm. How many times did we hear our sister say, thankfully, I've been walking with the Lord for a while. The people that I see that have gone through severe tragedy and have found the hope that we're describing have been people who have done a lot of that work pre-tragedy. And so not only knowing the people that you'll call, but actually knowing who your God really is to you is something that I continue to think about Katie's story and think about what she went through. And I mean, she even says that there wasn't a question of who God was. It was, how was he going to show up? How are we going to find hope again? How are we going to put lives back together? But God was still God. And that was that was true from, I feel like, from day one. To your question, I think that the caretaker, I'm going to call this person the caretaker, because I do think that's what, again, I'll go back to even the fact that now I'm working a business of hospitality and I'm that that theology of hospitality, which is restoration and repair, it really, for me, the depth of it came when I was walking beside someone whose world was actually falling apart. I think this world we live in, we are just, there's a slow decay. And we are being, whether we're being affected by it through tragedy or whether we're just being affected by it day in, day out, through, you know, when I watch my children fight all the time, that's just a picture of the brokenness of this world, correct? I think that with tragedy and with someone in grief, there's such broken pieces and there's such destruction to that. It's so not how it was supposed to be that it's so heartbreaking. I learned more how to sit in that because we don't want to sit in it. We try so desperately to distract ourselves from it, to distract the person that's hurting, to reframe it. I mean, as sevens, we really do that, and we've done it well our whole lives. Brooke and I are both sevens. (laughs) And we, you know, I always joke, my happiest place is in our barefoot dreams robes with (laughs) a cup of coffee and a beautiful view, and right? It's just, yes, comfort. And yes, we need to bring that, but it's also sometimes we have to sit in it with them and sometimes for a very long time. And God's timing and his timeline and in light of eternity, that timeline can be a long time because it's, you know, we may be comfortable for a few moments sitting in it, but truly we need to sit in it for as long as they need us, as long as they need us, because everyone's going to respond to grief differently. Everyone's going to, like Katie said, she's had, she had emotions of anger. She had emotions of anxiety. She had emotions of panic, sadness, and wherever she is, that's where I need, that's where we needed to sit. That's where we needed to stay for a while and not try to just move through it, but actually let her sit in it and find the hope in those moments. I just want to say what an honor, Katie, it was to walk through that with you. I know mom and dad feel the same way. I just think it never felt like a burden. I miss actually the fact that we used to talk on the phone about five times a day. <laughs> I know, I know. So um, true. You don't need you don't need us as much now. Um, which I want to finish with that. Just the hope that God has brought into your life physically of just care. But I never felt like it was a burden to walk through that with you. I always felt like it was a privilege to carry that season that was so dark and so hard. And I want to be clear because we're about to, there is a little bow to this story. Now, that's not to say it won't be hard for the rest of your life um, with your kids in different situations, but God has definitely done a great work in the last year or so. But that season was years long. That, Mm -hmm. you know, that was 
years of grief. And so some of you are in that season right now and you're thinking it might not ever end. But I do love that God talks about seasons and he says there's a season to mourn and there's a season to rejoice. Mm -hmm. And I think for a little while there, because of a lot of difficulties in all of our lives in different categories, it felt like it was just a season to despair for years. And, And yet we are in a season of rejoicing as of recently. So tell everybody a little bit about your life today, years later. Yeah. Well, as she's saying that, I'm just, I have next to me just a few of my favorite scriptures that I still read all the time, but one of them I liked because I thought this was so true. In First Peter, it says, in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I love the line in this verse where it says refined by fire, because I do believe in the trenches and in that season of grief and tragedy, when I thought my life was over and I thought everything I knew was gone, it was being, I was being refined by fire and, and glory. Yes. There in my story, I'm able to show you some ways that he has blessed us abundantly and I feel completely undeserving of it. But I also think through these hardships and through tragedy and through the things that we go through on this earth, it's, always for his glory and it's always for his sanctification in us and it's able then to to literally take deep root i have the deepest joy and rest and faith because of the hardships i've gone through because i have seen firsthand he takes care of me do i think it's always in the way that the, maybe the world sees it as good no but he took care of me every single day every single day we'd ask for daily bread and every single night i'd go to sleep and i felt taken care of That being said, we just celebrated probably one of the happiest years in our family. We got to attend your wedding to a godly man. We love John Aaron Reese. He's such a good man and such a good, you know, father figure to to your kids. And in that same year, (laughs) we have a new little baby, Gracie, that is the cutest baby that has ever lived. I really think you really, God gave you the cutest one. I believe (laughs) so. I love my kids, but... (laughs) They were cute babies, no, but she's, she's a cute one. She's pretty perfect. And I just, I think even sitting out or, or actually standing beside you in that wedding, it was something beyond words. It was more redemptive than any wedding I may have ever been to because, and I think everyone cried the whole time, just the way that God brought this man into y'all's lives. But I want to, I want to point out to everybody that I watched you in deep contentment before John Aaron Reese yes. was in the picture. And there was a there was a peace with God that you had prior to this. Yeah. And what you're preaching is not on the other side. This is how you lived in the darkest dark, not knowing that there would ever be a John Aaron, not knowing that there would ever be that kind of future for your kids or yourself. So, I mean, I just, thanks for being brave enough to share about the darkest season of your life because that is really brave. And to all of you out there that are walking through this season right now, we just, the three of us just want to say we love you and we're so sorry. And Brooke, I'd love it if you would close in prayer for people listening. Father God, you know all emotion. You are familiar, you have created it. And I pray right now that 
each listener, each set of ears that's represented will feel your deep comfort and that the redemption has happened. You died on that cross. You suffered. We were saved for eternity. For anyone wrestling with that, I pray for their hearts and minds to be shaped by it. And I pray for a very specific healing to take place and a hope, more than anything, a hope, Lord, that you would give that is not of this world, but of your kingdom and of your eternity. And I thank you for the model of our little sister that we joke we can't call her our little sister anymore, but um, just our hero, Lord, and her story and the way that you did give back, but also the way that she pursued you and that changed our lives forever. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for just the what, what healing you bring in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.